0: As you'll be aware, we're continuing in our studies in the book of Hebrews. And so we're in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 to 19 this morning. So if you could turn there in your Bibles, I'm going to be reading the whole of Hebrews chapter 3. Just to put us in the proper context of what the Lord is saying there in His Word. But before we read His Word, let's just ask Him to... Open our minds to see what he is going to say to us today. Lord, our Heavenly Father, as we worship you this morning, thank you that we've been singing these beautiful songs of these truths about what you've done for us, Lord Jesus. And I love that song. We bring our misunderstandings, we bring our... The ugliness of our lives to you. And you make it into something beautiful. Because your grace comes into action. Thank you for those words. Thank you for what you've done for us Lord Jesus. By dying on the cross for us. By paying for our sins. And by giving us a new hope. New perspective. On life. And they're not just leaving us. But giving us your spirit. And walking with us every day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your precious word which guides us. And as we were speaking this morning, Lord, there's so much confusion around in this world. But thank you that we know that we have your unchanging, breathed out words to us. Your word. May we hold it high. May we not start misbelieving it. May we not start believing half-truths. May we believe your word as a whole and hold to it. And Lord, help us in that, we pray. And so as we come to your word now, illumine our minds, cast your spotlight on our souls. And with your surgery knife and your hand of love, do your work in us, we pray. Equip us for this week ahead to be your servants in the world here in Wanganui. We ask this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, let's read through uh, Hebrews chapter 3. I'm reading from the ESO. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Who are those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. In spying circles, they use the word turning a spy, and when a spy is turned, they change the the agent's mind so convincingly that the spy starts working for the opposite side. And they do that in various methods, we're not going to go in those, some of those are extortions, some of those are threats, some of those are pure convictions. But a spy is turned to become a double agent. This joined the Chariot publication, and it's the last I'm going to speak about it now, but I had another example, but this is actually a perfect example. is an attempt to re-educate, to divide and conquer by turning believers from the truth. By turning parents from the truth. Same word. To to change your mind so convincingly that you work for the other side. And the warning from our passage in Hebrews chapter 3 is that we as believers are being turned. We are being turned, whether we like it or not. We are constantly being turned. How are we turned? Well, let's first recap a bit to see where we are. As believers, we looked at last time, chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, we are of the household of Christ if we show the following fruit in our lives. So you want to know if you're part of the family of Jesus Christ, ask yourself, do I find the following fruit in my life? Why can I depend on looking at fruit? Because we know that fruit can't be manufactured by us. Fruit is a gift from God, to us. So if we find those gifts in our lives, those fruits in our lives, we know we are believers. We can be confident in that. We can stand fast in that confidence. So here's the first fruit. Is your confidence still in Christ alone today? Do you find that fruit in your life? In other words, do you have courage to face whatever life might throw at you and be confident that because of what Christ has done for you on the cross by paying for your sin debt and making you right with God, you can stake your life on that? No questions asked. Are you still confident in Christ? There's the first fruit. Second fruit is this. Is the boast of your hope, In other words, is the outward expression to the world still only in Christ as the source of your hope? So when the world looks at us and we're going through hard times, what is the boast coming out of my life, my mouth? Is it that I will trust God with whatever happens in my life? Or have I started looking at the wind and the waves around me and the troubles coming upon me and I'm starting to express fear? Is the boast of your hope, still, publicly, only in Christ. It's important. It's seen in what we speak about every day. It's seen, it's seen in what we strive for every day. It's seen in what we chase every day with all our time. It's seen in how we are seen to be trusting when life hits. And that's where I fell down this week. I was really struggling with this document that I've been talking about this morning. And not so much with a document, but with the darkness, which is just becoming more and more and more on us as a society, especially in the last few years here in New Zealand and worldwide, because it's worldwide that it's happening now because of media. And I must confess, I was a little overcome. Sorry, I've got weakness too. Just like you. But are you holding your confidence and hope firm to the end is what this fruit is all about. Are you holding your hope and your confidence firm to the end? Or as we saw last time, has a slow fade started in your life? So what is this that can detract us to break our confidence in Christ and to destroy our hope? To turn us. Who is doing this to us? Is it Satan? No. Is it the world doing this to me? No. You see, I can't blame Satan and the world for everything. But the answer is, according to this text today, that you can be turning you. Now I'm speaking in riddles. No, I'm not. Let's look at verse 12. What does verse 12 say? Let's look at that verse. Take care, brothers lest there be in any of you what? An evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. You can turn you. You see, my sin influenced... I'm I'm speaking to believers here. My sin influenced unbelieving at times and doubting heart can turn me away from God's truth to fall away from the living God. Now, when I say fall away from the living God, I'm not talking about situational. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation. What I am saying is when you fall away from the living God, in this context, you are becoming more and more out of relationship with God. You fall away from the living God in your relationship with Him. And if you allow that to continue in your life, it can do great, great damage to you and I. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 in the Old Testament warns us about this heart of ours. He says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I'll read it again. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You see, in some sense, you, your own worst enemy. In some sense, there's an enemy in your camp. And we need to recognize this. Because if you don't, your heart will turn you away from God if you allow sin and unbelief and doubt to gain a foothold in your life. And it can be so subtle. It was so subtle in me this week. It started without me knowing Unbelief and doubt invariably lead to evil consequences, and it's your heart that will take you there. So this phrase that he uses in verse 12, to turn away or to fall away from the living God, is the the Greek word apostanai, where we get our word apostasy from. What is apostasy? Apostasy is a turning from the truth. That's Satan's original tactic with Adam and Eve, wasn't it? He turned them away from the truth. Did God really say? When we turn away and fall away from the living God, it's because we stop believing the truth. When you are deceived, you are deviating from the truth. And in so doing, you fall away from the living God. Why? Because He is truth. So when we d- stop believing truth, we are falling away from the truth, God Himself. Do you see where He gets us from? And so in the context of Hebrews in our text, these Jewish believers were being tempted to turn away from the living God back to the dead ritualism of Judaism, and these Jewish apostates would turn their backs on the better way provided by Jesus Christ. That's what the whole of Hebrews is about. So how can your heart turn you away? How can your heart turn you? Verses 7 to 11. You've got to kind of keep where I'm going with the text. Because he jumps around as well. How does your heart turn you? Look at verse 7. Chapter 3, verse 7. What does it start with? Therefore... As the Holy Spirit says, so now we need to pay attention. The Spirit is telling us how we are turned. And he quotes there from the Old Testament. What the Spirit himself says is, you can be turned by hardening your heart in unbelief when you hear God's voice speaking to you. What does that look like? Well, in Israel's time, and that's what the text refers to, God gave them clear instructions In Egypt, and as He led them out of Egypt into the wilderness. And not just that, God gave them very definite, amazing signs that He was with them. And God provided for them for 40 years in the wilderness years. And so these Israelites were hearing God, but they weren't hearing Him. They were seeing the signs, but they weren't seeing And it didn't just happen a few times. This constantly happened. And that led to God becoming angry with them. Why? And here's here's verse 10. Because they were going astray in their hearts. They saw all these things. They heard all these things happening. And yet they were going astray in their hearts first. And that led to not knowing his ways in practice. Not knowing doing what God said in practice. Usually it's the other way around, you see. The unsaved, people who don't know God, don't know His ways, and therefore the lives they lead are lives that have been led astray, right? But here He's speaking to believers, and He deliberately changes the order here. He says, the result of their hearts going astray is that they no longer know God's ways in practice. Wrong walking starts in the heart. We've got to look at our hearts and make sure our hearts are on track before the Lord. And as you get established in not knowing God's ways in practice, your heart is hardened before Him. What does that mean? Your heart becomes impervious to God's voice. You start not hearing His voice anymore because you're established in your sinful ways, because your heart is no longer listening. And that leads to an increasing ignorance of his ways in practice. The more you live this way, the further you start living away from God. And after a while, you're very far away. Well, that was the Israelites. What happened to them? The result was that God denied them his rest. They did not go into the promised land. A whole generation had to die out first in the desert. And the truth we know from Deuteronomy 4.2 is that God is the unchanging God. So He hasn't changed. His attitude to sin hasn't changed. And so in 2021, the questions we need to ask ourselves is this. How do you react when God, when you hear God speaking to you? Not just in these sermons, but in your daily Bible readings. How do you react to God when He puts those impressions on your mind when you're praying? How do you react to God? When you hear that message on the car radio or see something on TV or hear that podcast and you're challenged by it, how do you react to God? Do you hear Him and do you act on what you've heard? Do you see progressive change when you look at your life and ask the Holy Spirit to show you? Do you see holy living in your life? Or do you not believe Him and do you harden your heart and so start to doubt God? When life gets hard around you? Those are the questions we have to ask. And so he carries on verses 12 and 13, and the urgency comes out of the text now. Listen to God's voice. When? Today. Listen. When you hear his voice, listen. Don't listen to your heart saying, Tomorrow I'll change. Come on, it's not just me. We all do this. I'll change tomorrow. You see, you're in great danger of falling away, of being turned away from the living God. And it happens doubt by doubt, sin by sin. Each is a step, an increment away from the living God. Don't listen to your heart saying, I'll, I'll listen tomorrow. I'll sort out my life with God later. I'll confess my pet sins to Him in a while. Let me just enjoy them for a little while longer. Please be patient with me, God, while I deliberately sin before your face. Those unholy thoughts, those things I watch online or on TV, or I just allow them to come in before my eyes and I don't take action. The greed and wants that come up in my life and I don't do anything with it. I listen to God's voice tomorrow. The text is no, encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called Today, verse 13. So what does that mean for us, you and I? It says, encourage one another. That's why we're here today, by the way. We're here to encourage one another. Look around you. Those people around you, they need your encouragement. We're here to encourage each other every day, day after day. Because we're all struggling with the same things. I know when you look at the people next to you, it doesn't look like it. But they are. We are all struggling with the same issue of the heart. We, need, we are here to encourage each other day after day. Every day, in other words, as we stand alongside each other in life. And so those, for those believers who are lone ranger Christians, who, tr- who think they can just live the Christian life without being a part of other, another body of believers, they're kidding themselves. They are deluded. And they are disobedient to Almighty God. We are here to encourage each other day after day as we stand alongside each other in what comes in life our way. As we encourage each other. How long? As long as it is still called today. Now there's a blessing and a curse in there. It's saying there's a limited time. You see there's a big picture here. You have time to encourage each other and to get your heart right while Christ has not yet returned. And there's an immediate picture here too. And this is the warning. You have time to encourage each other and to get your heart right before God while God still speaks to you. You know, there came a time in Israel's life when they wouldn't hear and they wouldn't listen, God had shown them these amazing things. So what did God do? He said, okay, I'll let you go your way. Where are the consequences. I will teach you to draw you back to myself. But it's going to be hard. Many examples in Israel's history. So what happened? City of Ai. Small little city. Only a few hundred men. We'll go up against them. We're not even going to ask God's permission. We outnumber them anyway. Let's go. And they did, and they lost. And the men of Ai chased the tribe of Israel way across the horizon. God left them to their devices. Listen to God while there is still time, while he still speaks to you. So what happens if I don't listen? Verse 13 to 19. Well, Scripture warns, verses 13 to 19, look at this. You become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The more you allow sin to deceive you, the more hardened your heart becomes. Now, I'm very careful with the next example I use now because I know there's a few medical staff in here. But Dr. Google told me this. So there's this condition called atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis. Thank you. Thank you. Atherosclerosis. And it's sometimes in in normal speak called hardening of the arteries. And I know my doctor's spoken to me of this once. (laughs) And it occurs when fat, cholesterol, and other substances build up on the walls of the arteries. And these deposits are called plaque, right? Not teeth plaque, artery plaque. And over time, and it doesn't happen overnight, by the way, it happens over time, this plaque builds up in your arteries, and your, your arteries start becoming more narrow and more constricted, and the blood can't flow anymore, as it should. And after a while, guess what happens? Heart attack. Stroke. Death. You see, unconfessed sin... Doubt, unbelief is like plaque in our lives. It's a rebellion against God's truth and it clogs up our hearts and it affects our everyday lives with God and after a while your heart gets hardened and your ears stop hearing His voice and you start to fall away from the living God. You're in mortal danger. And as your doctors nag at you, every time you go for your, whatever they call those things, not interrogation, it feels like it sometimes, (laughs) but they warn you over and over, so I'm nagging you now, but I want to allow the Spirit to speak to you rather, because that's much more effective. Don't allow a spiritual plaque to clog up your life to such an extent that when you look again, you're very far away from Almighty God. You won't be the first one. There are many, many believers who've fallen away in this way. There's a second thing that happens to you if you don't turn your heart, uh, if you don't listen to what God's saying to you. You see, what happens is you start to provoke God, as Israel did. Verses 16 to 17, he describes it there. Your rebellion against God... As you live in His face, sinning before His face. The Latin term is there, you live in Coram Deo. You live before the face of God, sinning before His face. And God's not going to just allow that to happen. Why? He's a holy God. He's a just God. Yes, He's a loving God. He loves you, but He's a holy God. And He's a just God to the same extent. He can't just allow sin to just carry on working before Him. It doesn't go unnoticed. He's not going to make you the exclusion to the rule. He's going to deal with your sin. Why? Because He loves you. But you provoke God to do something about it. And it's really strong. I'll I'll read you from Isaiah. And I want you, if you can, to turn to Isaiah chapter 65. I'll show you how strong God feels about this. Isaiah chapter 65, verses 1 to 5. Listen to these words. Now hear the grace of God, but also hear the Holy God. Isaiah 65 verse 1. The Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. He's speaking about his nation. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. Man alive, that describes our nation today. All day long, I open my arms to a rebellious people, but they follow their own evil paths and their own crooked schemes, hardened hearts. All day long, they insult me to my face by worshipping idols in their sacred gardens. They burn incense on pagan altars. Put that into 2021 context. At night they go out among the graves, worshipping the dead. They eat the flesh of pigs and make stews with other forbidden foods. Yet they say to each other, now look at this, here's a hardened heart. Yet they say to each other, don't come too close to me, bro, or you will defile me. I put the bro in, by the way. I am holier than you. What does God say to that? Here's the Holy God. These people are a stench in my nostrils, an acrid smell that never goes away. Now, you want to see the just God? Verse 6. Look, my decree is written out in front of me. And if you know anything about the decrees in the Old Testament, once a king had written a decree, it didn't change. That's what he's saying here. My decree is written out. He gave it to his nation of Israel. Ten Commandments, plus what he told them. My decree is written out in front of me. I will not stand silent. I will repay them in full. Yes, I will repay them, both for their own sins and for those of the ancestors, says the Lord, etc. And he carries on. So, if you don't listen, what are you doing? You are provoking God. God is not inactive in the face of wrongdoing. He actively opposes it. And the most terrifying thing that I can even think of is not you at war with God, but God at war with you. So what must we do with all this, this passage this morning? Well, you see, Israel missed out on God's rest, and we're going to come to that next time, so I'm just saying that now. They missed out on God's rest by their disobedience. What do we do with this passage this morning? There's still verse 14. What does verse 14 say? For we share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. In other words, this text is saying to us, you are to be partakers of Jesus Christ. Now that word partake is an interesting word. It means the word to eat, it when we use the word the lord's table right we become partakers of christ we eat christ in the in the not the literal sense of the word we eat christ we make him a part of us you see the proof that christ is a part of you is or the proof that you've really been saved is your perseverance If you've really tasted of Jesus Christ, you will persevere. That's the fruit in your life. If Christ has done a work in you of grace, you will persevere. Because you are partakers of Christ. Jesus himself said this. He said in John 8.31, If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And it's that little word, abide. If you continue on in, if you camp out in, make it part of your life, my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. How's your life tracking before God Almighty? Are you persevering to the end? Because that's the proof that you are Christ's. You see, there's a difference between possession of Christ and profession of Christ. Anyone can profess Christ. But not everyone possesses Christ. One is an action of the heart. The other one is words on the lips. And the second action point that comes from this text this morning is this one. It's hold fast. Hold fast to the beginning of your assurance, says verse 14. Hold fast and stand firm to the end. Speaking about two things here. Hold fast to the beginning of your assurance. Where is your assurance? Christ is my assurance. Stand firm to the end. What's that talking about? Perseverance. And because Christ is my assurance, I will persevere. In other words, what this text is saying is, it's finish up as you started out. Do you you remember coming to the Lord? Do you remember the initial excitement of knowing that Jesus has saved me, and it might have come over a period of time, it doesn't happen to all of us at the same time, but there will come a time when you know Jesus Christ has saved me, and it has changed my life. Well, carry on like that to the end, says the text. Stand firm to the end. Finish up as you started in Christ. And so to these Hebrew believers, the writer to the Hebrews is saying, my dear fellow Jews, look to Christ. Christ. Your Savior, full of grace, who's willing to forgive you, to lead you through life. Don't look back to where you once were in Judaism and start to yearn back to ritual worship and spiritual lifelessness. Look to Christ. He is the source of your life. And what does He say to us, you and I, in 2021? He's saying to you and I, don't be turned in your hearts. The enemy is closer than you think because you always have your heart in you don't be turned look to christ in heart and in practice why because unbelief will kill you look what happened to adam and eve through unbelief Consequences. take god at his word open your ears have obedient feet Partake of Jesus Christ. And when must you do that? Today. Not tomorrow. Today, says the Spirit to you and I. Let's pray. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Amen.